Okay, we're here we go. Finally, we made it. Fine. We made it, guys. We made it. Okay. Little you guys to each other. So, um, Hussein is uh, also an MGP graduate. Um, I think he took the class on 2016, uh, on 2015, I guess. Yeah. Right. 2015. I took it on 2016 on January. Uh, so he was going to, I think, somewhere else, and then we were just like starting at UVic. And you did it in 2017. And I finished, uh, well, I was in path two on, on Canada, France, and South Korea. And then April 2016, I finished the program. And then from late 2017, I started in Austria with an Austrian company in Vienna. And ever since, I'm here. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I, was, I did pass two as well, actually. Um, so I am originally German, but I did my undergrad already abroad. So I figured I wanted to do my um, master's abroad as well, which is why I also did the MGB thing. Um, yeah. And then passed so uh, with Montpellier, I don't know if you guys did Montpellier back then as well, or if you went to another city. Um, Montpellier, this... yeah, we did also Montpellier. It's the same um, process then, and afterwards I did an internship in the US, and now I'm in Ireland working for a tech company in sales. My company name is Semperit, Semperit AG Holding. We're celebrating the 200th birthday of the company in two years from now. And uh, it's 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 about rubber. So everything about rubber, uh, all kind, not all, but different kinds of products made out of rubber. My segment in particular is working in conveyor belts. So we have manufacturing plants uh, in Asia and in Europe, and we manufacture conveyor belts, heavy conveyor belts used in uh, like steel industry, mining industry and like cement and construction and so on, basically for conveying things. I work only on business development at a global scale. So I do global strategy for the company and I do sales analysis at a global level. So it's all about business and finance and marketing and strategy. Very cool. For sure. So um, if we look at the hiring practices, of course, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of the company. I'm not allowed to do that. But um, I can see that a lot of my colleagues have a very international background. A lot of them have studied abroad. You know, the kind of people that move to Ireland to the EMEA headquarters oftentimes are people who have lived abroad before during their studies. So they often bring this uh, global perspective with them, which is very useful for obviously for, for business, for the company. Um, and yes, we have offices actually in um, uh, in the Americas, so um, in Mexico, then there's offices also in Brazil, um, I don't know about other countries there, but we work with a lot of partners, so local partners, and um, that, I guess, gives us the, the, like, local perspective, because it's, you know, obviously we bring in the global perspective, but it's very important when you work with small businesses, or like any kind of business, really, in a local context, that you have the local perspective. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act, I think, and uh, there are benefits to the global perspective. We require that local, I, not ideology, but, you know, I guess view and understanding to make sure that you do business in the best way possible. Well, if you, if you, if you look at our company in general, we have, like any other industry, we have our own challenges. We are quite dependent on mining industry and most of all on coal business. We have been trying to reduce our ex exposure to, to lignite and to, to, to black coal mining because we, we want to be sustainable and we also want to, to be clean, right? Um, so that, that's one thing that we're looking at and that is like product digitalization and make our products better to, to better address the customer's requirements in a more sustainable way. So we have invested a lot in the past few years to go through more digitalized solutions, more, let's say, clean, cleaner solutions and more sustainable solutions. So this is what uh, companies in rubber industry are looking at at the moment. So th this is one thing. For, on, on the other hand, from the business side, I think 
what our company is looking for out there right now is to to have the opportunities to develop also again in a sustainable way and at the same time uh, organic growth so we're not looking for more investments around the world because at this point that we're standing well let's say not at this point because at this point the uncertainty is even higher but uh, from the beginning of 2019 uh, um, or mid of 2019 there is a huge uncertainty about the, the whole global economic situation right so the companies are being extra more conservative on how they are investing and how they are how they are uh, planning their long-term investments so we're quite conservative in terms of expanding more and more globally in terms of greenfield or brownfield investments but on the other hand quite looking forward to 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 penetrate into markets out there that are more distant geographically from our locations in, in europe but at the same time we can serve them because we have the technological advent uh, technological let's say competitiveness that not so many con companies have there have it so like for example in in conveyor belt industry when it comes to heavy duty conveyor belts maybe two or three maximum four companies in the world can do certain grades of conveyor belt um, that's where we want to be and that's how we want to distinguish ourselves from competition so you don't think basically what's happening in the world about like the expected recession is going to definitely affect the kind of products uh, that the company is having or do you think it's just like going to affect the way of how the company is expanding globally i think it's both omar from i mean it's 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 not it's a it's a yes and a no so it depends on which parts of the world you look at if you look at the market in europe it's it's not how it looks uh, like in asia because in asia you don't have the environmental um let's say um, concerns that you have in Europe and the agenda on the top of agenda of European countries, you see more and more countries, the green parties are coming up, especially also in the European Union, in the Commission, the Greens are coming up and everyone is pushing for this green uh, being more and more and more green. So this is not really in line with, with uh, rubber industry because rubber is dirty. And, and the rubber deals with carbon black and all kinds of chemicals that are not good for the environment. So what we are trying to do is to is to get distant from from the uh, polluting side of the industry and make our rubber solutions more digitalized and more uh, advanced in Europe. On the other hand, in Asia, as the market demanding uh, the conventional way of of, of doing business, and technology, technology that is needed is different from what is needed in Europe, then the approach is different. And that is what we all learned in, in, in our, I think, uh, Master of Global Business, right, in MGB, that every location in the world has its own uh, circumstances and you need to act, uh, you need to think globally, but act locally. This is what basically my job is about. What about Canada? I mean, what about the uh, Canadian market for your company? Well, in, in, in our company, we, are, we have strategic development plans for North America, and that includes U.S. and Canada. So Canada is quite special when it comes to environmental concerns. It's nothing to compare with the United States because we all know why. <laughs> so um, I think Canada is among those countries who are pushing for cleaner and for uh, smarter rubber technologies and that is where we are trying to do so this is what we are trying to do this is exactly in line with how we want to do our development plans in Europe but the story different is, 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 is United States because the kind of environmental concerns that you see in Canada you don't see them in, in, in the US and President Trump wants to basically conserved all the coal mining and then the whole industry around it. Um, well, if that changes after, after November this year, we don't know. But at, at the moment, uh, at the moment that we're talking, well, it's quite different approaches between Canada and US. I remember from our, our studies that we, were, we, had, a, we had a course called 
a North American business context. To me, at this point, like four right. or five years after graduation, I would divide those into two different courses <laughs> because Canada and U.S. are different when it comes to at least to the industry that I am working in. Um, I, that's a really good question, actually, because um, Ireland is a melting pot of a lot of cultures, um, which means that um, a lot of businesses move here because there's an advantageous situation in terms of um, you know taxes, and they can do business from here really, really well because they're close in the terms of in terms of time zone and all that. So Ireland is at an advantageous point there. Um, on the other hand, um, there is so much growth happening here um, that it's really difficult for the, um, I want to say the infrastructure to keep up. Um, like there's uh, traffic jams, there's um, impacts on the environment here that are negative, I'd say, um, it, at least in my experience. Um, don't know if that's really the case just in the year that I've lived here that's what it seems like to me so what I'm hoping for for the future is that the Green Party here also gets a little bit more or, or like the Green Parties I guess um, get a little bit more um, support because there needs to be a sustainable growth instead of what is happening right now that where businesses are just like popping out of the ground and not necessarily taking care of the their local environment so I definitely second what Hussein was saying before that, you know, we need to uh, think global, but definitely act local. Otherwise, there's an issue here. Um, and as I work with the Nordic market very closely, I see that, you know, growth is happening there, too. Um, and obviously, their environmental concerns and, and sustainable growth are very much a thing that is instilled in governments. So it's very, it's vastly different than what you'd hear maybe from the U.S. Um, but I have no idea what this means for the future, especially now with the current situation, what that's going to bring for us. It is super uncertain. Um, following the local news in, in different countries, I have no idea where we will be in six months. I know that um, a lot of companies, are like a lot of bigger corporations are going to persevere and that's going to drive growth here in the future. Our people are really panicking. I mean, we're seeing governments are really panicking. For example, like the U.S. government, uh, we saw the stock market. Is it like almost the same impact and where you two are or is it you different? Know, at least, I mean, I can only speak for Ireland. I know that there's there was a news article the other day that said that by the end of this month, around 400,000 people will have lost their jobs um, because of what is happening worldwide. Um, so... That obviously is is a great impact, not in the sense of positiveness, but it's rather like a in sense of size. Um, so I'm pretty sure this will have an effect on the stock market and what's what's happening worldwide. But I don't know about Austria. I don't know if that's any different. Well, if if you guys make me <laughs> talk about this, I will I will be having problem with my girlfriend because. <laughs> We have been, we're stuck in, in home for like 10 days, right? And every day we're <laughs> right. looking at the news and she tells me stuff. I tell her stuff. Hey, did you, did you, did you hear this? And my, my home country, Iran, is really one of the hotspots these days. And mm. uh, I, I'm quite concerned for my family. And of course, I, I, I follow the news every day. And she told me yesterday, you know what? Tomorrow is a Corona free, free day. So tomorrow we're not going <laughs> to talk about Corona at all. <laughs> I was really hoping that this interview doesn't go that way, but apparently it does. So uh, I hope that she's not hearing me right now, and I will not share the the audio file with her later. Um, <laughs> regarding regarding Austria in general, well, uh, in the in the first few days you could see panic between people. Definitely, it was it was there, and even the Austrian stock market uh, fell like drastically, like very similar to how it was in 2008-9 at the financial crisis time. The share of Semperit, the company I worked for, dropped in a 20-year lowest record. So th there, there are signs. There are signs that shows that the situation are not going to be fine. And even before Corona, if you, if you, if you had uh, looked at the news like from six or ten months ago, uh, if you if you read the the economic magazines and so on, there was whole stories about 
uncertainties in the markets and uh, both in upstream and downstream. So this was like a <laughs> uh, last shot of, of the whole uncertainties that uh, was existing before. And I think at the point we're standing, of course, no one has a crystal ball to say what happens in, in a few months. But I, I agree with Uli that for sure this will cost jobs and this will, this will have a dramatic uh, economic effect as a whole on the, on the world economy and at the, at the macroeconomy level then on the lives of people and the lives of our, our, us and our, our families and friends and everyone. So the only thing that I, can, I, I think every one of us should do at the moment is to keep calm and continue working from our home offices <laughs> and try to keep the companies as much as we can alive. Yeah, yeah I agree. But um, there's, you know, some other aspects that um, I at least have seen over the past week of working from home that some business, like things are calming down a little bit and people are starting to kind of get their business up as much as they can, which is good. Um, also because it keeps people busy and from worrying. And honestly, if... Um, there's one thing I've learned through MGB. It's that, you know, in uncertain times, you got to rely on your, your connections, your, your relationships to your family, your friends. You got to, you know, check in with them, make sure that they're right. And uh, yeah, keep those connections alive because that, that's honestly what's going to save your sanity. It's going to save your business eventually um, through saving your sanity, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I don't know if you guys had any difficult. I know Omar, you had some difficult situations in in your program as well, some uncertainty there. Um, but I feel what brought us through these things, at least in in my MGP experience, um, it was that we stuck together, and I feel like that's very much a good solution for the situation now. That's a great advice. I'm not sure if it hundred percent happened in my uh, with my cohort, but uh, to some extent, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, but like, did anyone think? I was like thinking, okay, so what's the exit? How can we manage this whole recession? Um, what kind of advice we can give? As I mean, every one of us is kind of like a business consultant to some extent. Yeah. I was thinking, what kind of like solutions we can actually present uh, to our companies that are related to the countries we're working at. Like in Canada, I was, I was trying to bring um, information and bring as much statistics as possible to know, to, to, to try to evaluate the situation and then maybe come up with some answers or plans of how we can go through this. Uh, personally, I can't say I got any kind of answers for now, but like, I don't know what kind of like, did you did anyone think about what we can do to make it better? What well, question? <laughs> it's a, really, it's a million, it's a million dollar question, I guess. But um, I, I guess it has a personal level, and then um, like at a corporate level. So at, at personal level, I think the best we can do at this moment, because the situation is so dynamic and it, it changes every every second, so or every minute. So we have to keep uh how to say we have to we have to go on keeping ourselves informed about the latest situation what's happening uh, in in the news and what, what's 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 current how is gonna how is it gonna affect our personal lives at the corporate level and and then take take actions accordingly because at this point the uncertainty is so high that you cannot really say uh what what is the best action i had a meeting with our uh, it was a, like a group meeting with 100 people on Skype a few days ago with our CEO, like on Friday, two days ago. And um, he has connections within like inner inner level of like like the government people and, and so on in, in Austria. Because Semperate is, I would say, like one of the, if I want to say like top 10 companies in, in Austria and they have frequent uh, meetings and 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 exchange of ideas with the with the government and with the cabinet of the prime minister and so on. So he was saying that even those people <laughs> couldn't give him like uh, uh, a certain advice that what to do next. What we do at at the corporate level, we just try to keep our 
production running because that is the bottleneck. If the production stops, then it means at the first level, hundreds of jobs will be lost because you cannot keep um, keep uh, paying people forever. So what we try to do is to implement this isolation as much as we can, like se- uh, segregation of the shifts so that people who go and come on the, on the next shift don't have interaction with each other. And then um, using disinfection and everything in our production to make sure that our production keeps going because that is the bottleneck. We don't want that to be stopped. Uh, on the other hand, um, just just wait and see what happens in the next few days because at this point omar to be honest i have no clue <laughs> seriously right yeah on a personal note did you try to say um, cut your expenses as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well if you yeah, my expenses yeah the only thing i didn't cut my expense was on toilet papers but the rest <laughs> There is a try to do. Yeah. No, we we all yeah. need, we all we all need to be cautious. I, I'm I'm lucky and privileged to be working in a country where the social welfare and uh, and uh, like the 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 thing from the government is so strong. So I would say, typical Austrian work. The people who work in Austria won't have uh, really really huge concern about. Oh my God, I'm losing my job. I'm gonna go jobless and I'm going to end up in the streets. No, they don't have that. Mm. Uh, I know the story could be different in Canada or maybe in, in the United States, but here in Austria with more socialized, how to say, more social, not socialized, more social um, um, regimes uh, with the public welfare and so on, people, people have a certain degree of um, uh, certainty and reliability that they will have no matter what, a minimum level of life that government guarantees. So that still, we are not at, at the level that we, we think that, oh my God, what is going to happen? So let's cut expenses. No, but let's see in the, in the future. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's the same here in Ireland. With that. 100%. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Like there's, um, there's actually a fund that's being put in place. So if you, end up um being sick from the virus you um can apply to a fund and you will get money every week uh, until you recover basically um to kind of cover your um well expenses i guess um so that's that's a nice support and then of course there's unemployment benefits um and other support by the government so I guess for for Europe that's pretty normal, but then there's um, other countries where that seems outlandish. So I I worry for them. Um, I mean, I also worry, of course, for people here. But um, yeah, I, I I come from a very privileged point as well. I, I have to say here, um, working at a global corporation that you know, um, really is standing tall in a time like this. Um, we were we had a all hands meeting with our executive leadership team and with Mark Benioff himself, which was really cool on uh, Wednesday, where um, it was I don't know it was just very nice to hear them speak about the situation from their own point of view. Um, it was very very comforting to know that they are going through the same things that we are going through. You know that everybody is going through where there's so much uncertainty and we don't even know what's going to happen. So. Um, yeah, I was really amazed. You know, this was the first time I uh, kind of saw Mark Reniev. There's like a lot of legends about him out there um, that I never really believed. And then now we, we had this call and it was super cool. Uh, to, he just seemed like a like the kind of person you would want to go grab a coffee with and have him as a mentor um, to learn from. Uh, so I, I feel like with that person as a leader, uh the company is kind of safe but that's my own opinion of course Mm. and one of the main things that I took away was that you know it was very very much about um you know how can we help others instead of just you know how can we support ourselves and I feel like that is definitely something uh that'll propel us into a better future 
um, whatever that may look like. So very, very glad that, uh, you know, not only do I live in a country that I live in, but also that I work for a company that things like that. Um, I mean, it's, it's generally amazing how much they support volunteering uh, outside of times like this, like generally. Um, so really, really fortunate there. Um, and I wish we could help even more. I think this brings us to the $1 million question. Mm. As someone with the MGP and you've seen this is a, an international, uh, it's a disaster on a global scale. Mm. How do you think this whole program, the MGP program we took, helped you in, in understanding this disaster in a better way globally? Like, you know, I mean, having someone who studied a global business is different than someone who would have never left home or like have, have just like one state in one country and they're just like one, one program that is not related um, intentionally to like a global scale. So what do you think actually that the knowledge that you had um, had really served you into being more knowledgeable of what might happen next and give some kind of like more accurate measurements of the current situation to evaluate the situation in a better way. I think there's a lot of sides to this. Um, and I think both of you can probably agree with the fact that we have friends all over the planet now um, serves us in a way where we understand the gravity of the situation even further and are even more devastated by the impact this is having um, on the negative side, on the positive side. It also shows us that all the positivity that's happening around the world, you know, is so it's humanity and um, so in my head i mean let me rephrase this in my head i often think to myself you know well humans have done so much we've achieved so much together and then i look around to my friends around the globe and it's always the same um so no matter what culture we always have this beautiful humanity that comes to light everywhere and in a situation like this in a crisis um it still shines through and i think while we are even more devastated than maybe other people maybe that have only lived in one country and only um, uh, have been able to achieve a certain perspective because of their not having had the same experience. On the other hand, you know, we get this, this massive view of, of humanity, of this uh, overwhelming sense of, of crisis, but at the same time, this overwhelming sense of, of um, kindness that is everywhere. So that's, I guess, right. how it affects me personally. I think the humanity so and, and kindness <laughs> is definitely there among all humans that, of course, uh, that, that no one can deny. But if I learned one thing from MGB that I can relate to this topic is that people act differently uh, on, their, on their even same circumstances in different cultures. So this is quite obvious when you right. look at... Uh, how people mm -hmm. right when you look at how people react to the to the crisis in Asia and how do they uh, immediately try with an with an uh, up to bottom approach in in China for example to contain the virus they even I don't know if you saw the videos they drag people who were trying to 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 uh, run away from the quarantine and and then bringing them back in and then putting them in, in, in cells, basically, in hospitals right. and so on. That, mm -hmm. that never happened in right. Italy, right? So I'm, I'm not saying that is better or this is better. We have all learned our lessons that cultural differences is not about saying which one is better than the other. It's just different. And the, the, yeah. the way they manage the, the, the virus control and the, the uh, how say the outbreak in China was drastically different from how Europe approached to it or how U.S. did under, under President Trump. So I think if I just want to summarize everything in, in, one, in one thing and then relate it to our, to our discussion around the, the corporate life that we are in it, all of us, um, it, it, is, it matters where you are functioning. And then you need to be, uh, according to Brian, with a level of global dexterity um, to, 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 to really know in each culture how to react to the circumstances. Because you will be uh, dealing with different people, with different opinions and different behavior. 
Well, well, like, you know, we studied business context in general, right? Mm -hmm. So we studied the Asian business context, European and different business contexts. So do you think, like, I've seen the centralized governments, like the, the one in, in, in China, and we've seen most of like um, capitalist regimes, like the US regime, we've seen them like for now, they're still, for example, debating about the kind of assistance they will give to companies about the budget, right? Like this is today's today morning news, like this morning news. So do you think it is better? It's less better, like economically about like when it comes to the, the system, to the financial system, do you think um, a centralized government helped better? Do you think they contained the disease in a better way? Uh, do you think like, for example, the socialist system um, made people more panicky or less panicky like the same socialist system like for example the social democrat in europe or do you think like the, the very capitalist system is really struggling with containing this especially that there is no um like when it comes to uh, firing people hiring people uh when it comes to you know all these kind of like aspects are different in different systems in different cultures in different business contexts so were you able to kind of like point like yeah this kind of system this kind of regime this kind of way of doing it was more effective with containing um, the drop in the stock market and containing businesses and injecting more money into the stock market, for example? Mm -hmm. Or what do you think? I remember from our, our last session of North American business context in, in Victoria, uh, we had a kind of like a debate in, in, in the class right. like where we had right. uh, advocates of uh, North American context that it will thrive and it will be better in the future and so on and so on. And then we had the other team which were advocating for for Chinese business context and how Asian Asian business uh, will at some point uh, take over the, the the whole economy and, and so on and so on. I believe there is no a, there is no black and white line in this whole thing yeah. is a is shades of gray. So each. I think each system, Omar, has has their own advantages and disadvantages. Hundred percent. And you cannot simply say that because this system functioned good in in this part of the world, we implement the same thing in the, the other part, and it will function the same. No, it will not. So this is, I think, the main mistake that that uh, British politicians did in the Middle East, and until today, we are seeing the results of that decision which was based on some Europeans or some Westerners uh, making decisions for, for people from different culture or from different background. The same system that China is implementing in terms of like, uh, we, we all know about the, uh, the uh, power distance and I don't know, all those kinds of concepts mm -hmm. that we had in, in we, we learned in MGB. But if in Europe today you tell people that uh, you are not allowed to, to go out and we are putting you in prison if you go out you don't want to do that <laughs> because <laughs> the consequences would be I mean out of control so I, I'm not yeah. saying that that is better or this is better I'm just saying um, I believe that each one of them have their own advantages and disadvantages and as a person and as a corporate when you're functioning in all different places you just need to know the differences and and adapt your your behavior and your your uh, how to say aptitude based on that yeah actually something that came to mind i'm sorry if i don't want to interrupt you um but something that really came to mind here for me was remember that class we had on um oh, what was it called i i'm sorry forget the name but there's something about whether it's a global company an international company and and how they act um, Sorry? Yeah, yeah, like the difference between multinational, international, transnational. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Now, I feel like that kind of relates to what you were saying about the political systems, because there isn't one way to grow um, for any company. You know, every business model is different, which means Agreed. kind of every country is different. Like every culture is different. So what works in one context probably doesn't work in another one, but it may work for some time. Yeah. And, you know... That's why I think we've also over time seen changes in systems that, you know, have been overthrown and then there was this happening and that happening. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a political scientist, but for me, that's how it makes more sense. Um, I guess, you know, having a business mindset um, helps me understand history in that case. Um, but uh, for me, that's just 
this is proof that there's not one system. There, there will never be just one system that will work um, yeah. across the globe because we are so different. Um, I mean, yes, we're all human, but we're so different in so many ways uh, that there's not a system that can grasp all of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's different here as well. I mean, um, the way how the government is managing this is completely different to the kind of the rhythm they're doing with uh, when it comes to putting restrictions and procedures are way different than anywhere else. I mean, they're doing it very slow. They're doing it in a very careful way. They're taking steps, different kind of steps uh, from any other country. Like I was like, you know, we can't just like push the same regulations Europe did uh, here right away. You know, Canada is completely different um, area with a completely different kind of like mentality for a government. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, it's not like I agree or disagree, but it just like, it's very, very different. And there was like criticals and there were like people who are okay. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. But like, yeah, it's, it's very different. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You guys probably also remember the, um, Hofstede, like cultural differences, um, like the very basic concept of it was like yep. uh, uncertainty avoidance and all that right you remember yeah yeah so if you just relate to that um you know there's some countries that have a very high uncertainty avoidance or that are very uh feminine in their culture and so on what amazed me about ireland's response for example was that very early on they were saying okay we're closing the schools we're doing this and we're doing that um when other countries were maybe even starting to think about it like germany was far away from that at that point um yeah. so ireland was really way ahead yet it didn't have enough like it didn't even have a lot of cases um so in that sense i feel like the uncertainty of violence that is super high in this country and people hate conflict like they hate talking to people face to face really i guess I'm right <laughs> confronting them right yeah, confronting is very like I, it's very similar to Canada in that sense that people really don't like to talk to your face about the problems. They hear it's it's not I don't want to say it's a backstabby culture, but it's not something where you would rather like talk to somebody's face about it. You rather you know let it simmer for a bit. No. Um, so in that sense, this kind of showed in the political response that they had, where they very early on you know just closed the schools in order to avoid any further outbreak where they would have to face criticism, I guess. And, you know, I mean, it's a good protective measure. It was really good. It's been pretty effective so far. Um, so I'm guessing Canada had to, had to have a similar response to that. Do you think you work for a Salesforce company, Salesforce company that has offices in Canada and also in Ireland? And I'm sure you, that you're in contact with some people who works in Salesforce, Toronto or Vancouver, for example. Have you seen different kind of leaderships on how they manage things here and how they manage things in Europe? Mm. So I actually don't have any contact with um, Salesforce Canada at all. Um, <laughs> I rather have contact around EMEA, so I wouldn't know, but uh, from what I can tell, because we, we do get um, global email reminders, um, or not email reminders, more like information, newsletters, um, that it has been a fairly, unis yeah, it's been a united response globally, I'd say. Um, and a very clear uh, way of communicating and there's like global calls for security and health of the employees and um, there's there hasn't really been that much of a different answer um, it's been very transparent but that's I guess it comes with the culture of the company too which um, so so some of the, uh, the so Salesforce has four values um customer success innovation equality and i can't think of the fourth right now oh this is not good <laughs> so it's just been so transparent you know equality in that sense works and and yeah success for, for our customers is, is kind of the same where we want to trend like transparently inform people on what's happening our employees as well i mean that's the biggest asset uh, apart from the customers of course that salesforce has so yeah it's been very it's been very clear and, and unified i don't know how it was in austria for you if you know working in a global company maybe it was more of an austrian response yeah i us, mean for, for us i think 
com companies like corporations at the, at the level that they go multinational, international, they uh, try to develop a kind of unified global culture among the company. Like separate with right now, I mean, like between six to seven thousand employees around the world. Um, they cannot afford having people uh, reacting or acting in, in, in di significant different ways when it comes to internal processes. So what, right. what we have tried to do, and I think what many, many, many uh, other, other multinationals do, is to try to, to hire talents who, who think globally and who, who have a global mindset in a like, kind of, I need air quote, like standardized uh, business uh, acumens and business, business uh, mindset. And these people, right. wherever they go, independent from the geographic uh, location, um, they then think in a, in a global way and then they, they, they would be the representative of the company in a way that company would expect them to. So we have operations in Canada, we have operations uh, out of US, we have our North America headquarters in, in, in US in Atlanta, and we have also a, a, sales, a sales office in, in, in British Columbia, uh, ironically on, on Vancouver Island. So <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this is really just by chance. I mean, yeah, so I, I, I deal with all these people from around the world. I start my day every day with Australia, my colleagues in Australia, sales offices, then Indonesia, then Thailand, then India, then Europe. Then uh, I finish my day with Americas, both North and South. So what I see at, the, at, at this global level is that Semperit has tried. In, it's, not, it's nothing new in, in the past, let's say, maybe 20 or 30 years because developing a unique culture all among the company, which is so geographically dispersed, is, is not easy. It's, 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 it's the job of really <laughs> uh, years, years and years. So um, I, what I see from among all, all, all my colleagues, of course, they're different. They're from different cultural backgrounds. They're from different uh, let's say nationalities or, or or different mindset and so on, but they all follow. We all follow a unique, um, uh, let's say, uh, way of doing business that we define acceptable by the norms and and values and cultures of Semperit. So this is what is what is the same. What is then different is that you have all these people with all these unique. Uh, uh, let's say mindsets and values who go out there to customers to the to the markets and then they have to act differently so you have people in different locations who have two sides one is their side who is dealing with the company and one is the side that is dealing with the local market with with different cultures different different business settings and everything is different so these people should be extremely skilled in terms of doing this because if you if if you cannot just act because acting is has a limit you you should do it in a super authentic way that neither of the parties nor your not your internal colleagues nor your external um, stakeholders figure out or or even even have suspicious that that you are doing it you're faking it. You know what I mean? So mm. you need to be extremely authentic. And these people are extremely valuable for companies because right. they can do it. It's, it's not easy. I guess MGB 100%. made us into cultural chameleons where we could just adapt and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it would have been super hard to uh, integrate easily and bring some kind of like added value to any international position if we did not actually take this program, yeah. right? Um, I think the value added um, is already uh, kind of like seasoned in our attitude and the way of how we think uh, on how on how we're like, um, we are very free spirit people or not actually put it this way. We're like very um, spiritually diverse with different characteristics mm -hmm. and, uh, and knowledge. So yeah, 100%, I agree. Actually, I have a I question. Agree. Oh, God, Go for it. This. Um, so 
talking about cultural chameleons and all that um I don't know if you have noticed this about yourselves I kind of started to notice it about myself at least when I moved um from Korea to uh Germany and then to the U.S. during my the the internship part um that I started to adapt to the local environment I was in not only in um you know the way I spoke to people and 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 talked and what I talked about but even like in small things like the way I behaved on the streets I the even the way I dressed has changed through the through the places that I've lived in um I, like I've I've really like adapted in a, in ways that I didn't even consciously think about have you noticed this about yourself as well for me moving to North America 100% uh, I had like this kind of like there wasn't actually a culture chalk because it's almost like every other culture is kind of like I came from a liberal culture mm -hmm. but when it comes to the way of how to behave and handle a conversation was completely switched um, I knew about like how my attitude and the way how I talk is different is when I went back home for a visit so while taking this program uh, I am a complete different person and it just like the switch happens at the back of your mind yeah. directly yeah. without even second thought like you're not actually planning oh I need to to act this way and then I need, I need to change this way you just react to it to whatever the situation is yeah. super fast and you're not losing your identity but at yeah. the same time you're actually developing a way of how to become way more flexible as a person, as a spirit, as a human, you know? And actually I was surprised of how everything in me changed. Like mm -hmm. I changed as a mentality, as a human being. Uh, I see myself now without, uh, without even thinking about the differences, I can easily adapt. It's like it literally becomes second nature. It is literally right? second nature. Exactly. Hussein, have you had the same experience? Yeah, for me, I can I can only <laughs> I can only understand what you and Omar just said. For me, the the situation was even more dramatic because um, <laughs> I I came from a culture where well well I I left Iran twenty twelve. I, I I went to China for a year and lived and worked there, and then two years in in West Africa in Ivory Coast, and then after that. Uh, the MGP happened, so sometime in Canada, in France, in, in South Korea, and then I ended up in Austria. So the the changes of situations were so, <laughs> how to say, it's, it's, it was like, like the storm that just throws you out from, from here to there. So maybe even yeah. sometimes I didn't have enough time to, to get adopted with the situation. And uh, when I was getting adopted, already the second wave was coming and taking me out somewhere else with a completely different um, uh, settings. So when I went to China first, I would say the, the, the culture and everything like the Eastern culture that we have also like this power distance and, and the collectivism and, and everything was quite similar. But the, the difference started when I went to Africa and the West African cultures are somehow in some cases similar to to those of of, of Western Europe. Now that was mm. uh, the the kick of the new challenge in, in, in at the at the let's say at the business level, and then going to Canada as Omar also said was really extreme. That was the point that I really started and doing the MGB. I, I really then felt it that it it happened to me like dramatically and when i went back home exactly the same as omar just said my my cousins or my my my, my brother or my parents would, would always say what what changed in you what, what you're not the same person and i think this is this is very very important for for uh people who want to go global because i had this passion from when i was 13 years old i mean this was in me when i when i knew myself when i got to know myself i want to go global i want to experience the world i want to get out get out of my comfort zone and experience new stuff but that is the dangerous side also that every person needs to take care about themselves how they are um, behaving in the new culture or in the new setting in a way that they don't lose themselves in the process because it, it is it is very dangerous and uh, the stake is that you lose connection with your own culture, with your own family, with your own 
values and so on. I think for 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 Europeans and let's say um, North Americans, the differences are not huge. But uh, Omar knows what I say when I say the difference between the culture we have in Middle East with those of North America is just like two different worlds. It, it, I mean, there's not a single spot in common. Yeah, of course, there is humanity and the kindness and everything. But when it comes to even the, the basic stuff, I just give you an example and leave you with that because I, I really have to uh, follow some 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 personal stuff right now. But I I, I went to I went to first time to to Canada and um, well the 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 tradition in 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 Iran at least I don't know Omar if it's the same in 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 your region is that when you are entering into a house or into a building or into an apartment you first give the others the opportunity or tell them you go first please sir you go first you go first and then you follow them if especially if they are older or higher rank than you uh, this was completely different in I have to say in in Canada but then uh, the person who enters first doesn't matter who it is but then they have to hold the door behind them so the next person come in and if you don't hold the door it means not good <laughs> I didn't know this <laughs> and there was some awkward moments I have to say that people would uh, tell me that hey this is rude what you did you didn't hold the door for the next person I said but I I offered them to go first. They, they didn't accept my offer. So I didn't hold the door. Should I hold the door? Ah, I should hold the door. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's actually funny. I, I think I experienced the same thing with people, um, at least in Europe, and then going to the US. Um, you know, in Europe, or after, in Northern Europe, at least, we often take our shoes off when we enter a home. Yeah. Um, I know it's the same in a lot of Asian cultures as well. Um, I, I don't actually know how that is in the Middle East, but um, at least in North America, oftentimes you don't. Um, they walk around with their outside shoes inside the house and even like go on the bed, which to me is outrageous. Um, so I would often, you know, take off my shoes automatically just when I entered somebody's home and they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> shoes, you know, what we do yeah. because they're dirty and I don't want to bring the dirt back, you know, into your home. And then still these days I, I find it cringeworthy when my, my parents actually allow someone to wear their shoes in, in their living room when they have guests over and, you know, I don't know, it's just... Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I get OCD about it, but it's a, it hurts me <laughs> in my soul. 